0: Hello. Welcome to The Value Scripts. I'm your host, Lonnie Carmichael. I'm my wonderful co-host, Meredith Carmichael. Hi, babe. Hi, Meredith. How you doing?
1: So great. It's been a great day.
0: Uh, we wanted to talk about something. This might be a little challenging for me. Our, our therapist actually challenged us to talk about this topic. And it kind of took me by surprise because we're going to him to help put put my head back together <laughs> and, or our, our respective heads back together. And um, he's like, you know what you guys should do since you started your podcast? You should start a podcast on how to be good parents because you guys are phenomenal parents. And I, like, dropped my jaw that he said that because um, I, I know who I am and I know what I've done. And I um, to have a third party actually still tell me that I'm a good father it was nice, but it was a surprise, was a surprise. But we have uh, been disciplined about the way we raised our kids. We've been intentional about a few things in particular. So we thought with his motivation, we will um, do our best to give you some of the valuable tips that have been good for us as parents and helping to shape our children. But we, you know, really, I guess the proof's in the pudding. We do have seven amazing children, d- despite their father.
1: <laughs> no, no, because of their <laughs> father. You're, you are a very good father. What? And, yeah, they – I don't know. I feel like we do have abnormally phenomenal kids. They're just all – they just came to us that way, grounded and good. Like, I don't know. They're just good, good kids. Yeah. But we certainly have um, done some things that I think have helped. Um, one of
0: the, one of the things – uh we're sorry i mean no you're good um one of the things i noticed um when we started having children and i was that i had no freaking clue what i was doing you know there is no handbook that gets delivered with the stork and the baby like it's like it's not like hey baby number one handbook here you go right like how to be a parent to this child doesn't exist it's kind of not fair that it doesn't exist (laughs) but it doesn't exist And we do have some guides, you know, we have the scriptures, we have um, people that have written some amazing books, we have our parents, hopefully, if they were, if they were a good source of knowledge of your parents, if they weren't, you have other parents that honestly, you can surround yourself with people. Like if you want to have a good family, surround yourself with people that have a good family or they have the type of family dynamic you want. It's kind of like money, You're not going to take advice from somebody you shouldn't. Uh, Look, you may. Most people actually do (laughs) want to take advice from the wrong people for whatever reason. I think it's because it helps them set their expectations low. But like, don't take advice from people that aren't where you want to be. Like, if you want advice on parenting, go to people that you feel like are good parents. If you want advice on money, go to people that you feel like have been successful and have done things. Don't go to your parents if they're not those people. Don't go to your family or your friends. That's like the worst place to go. And that's one thing. Oh, I forgot to talk about that on the, the, that cleanup episode where we were talking about um, marriage. Like when marriage is hard. This, sorry, it was tangent. I'm like tangent, man. But if, if, if you're going to have an emotionally charged conversation, you remember we talked about that? And we're like, and it's hard for you to talk about it together, go to a third party. That does not mean go to one of your friends. Because one of your friends is going to be biased. One of your friends is going to take sides. One of your friends is going to help you triangulate yourself against your, other, your spouse. That is not going to be helpful. What I meant by go to a third party is go to a trusted, neutral third party, such as a counselor, a therapist, perhaps a religious leader, if they're so trained to handle such conversations. But if they're not, don't go to them for that. Don't put that much pressure on them. Don't expect them to do something they're not. That puts everybody in a bad situation, including them. Don't do that. It happens too much. Um, but not to say you can't go to your priest or your religious leader and say, Hey, we need help. This is what I'm struggling with. Help me find that help." And hopefully they have the resources to help you find that help. Um, but don't go to a friend because that, like, if, if I, if I go to, if I bring one of my friends in to help me argue with my wife, that's just stacking the deck in my favor. That's not going to be helpful for me resolving the conflict, my wife. It's going to be helpful. Me steamrolling my wife and me, um, you know, getting my way. And if she does the same thing, then I'm going to feel marginalized. And like, it wasn't fair for me. Don't do that. Go to a mutual third party, neutral, neutral third party, neutral third party. Do You want to yeah, comment on that, man?
1: Perfect. No, I think that's good. And I think, um, I think you're exactly right because it does create a bias and it, it makes your spouse feel like, I don't know, like was the whole story presented in an accurate way or was it told biasly? And you you want to feel like, I don't know, you want to you wanna just have that be a good foundation to be able to work through your conflict. And if you start out with that dynamic, it's you know, you're already starting off on the bad, on a bad, right.
0: Fight. And, you know, and don't, you know, don't do that uh, virtually either. You know, don't enter an argument with husband to say, well, my, my sister said that you should be thinking of it this way. Or my mom says that I'm right. Well, go talk to them. Then you're, you're trying to work on a relationship with your mom and your sister at that point. You're not trying to work on a relationship with your spouse. So don't, don't triangulate people against your spouse. That's not a healthy strategy. Perfect. All right. Moving back into parenting. All right. So it's all relevant because if if the parental unit is not healthy, it's going to be hard for you to be good parents, which my kids can tell you over the last couple of years, I've been less of a father than I should have been. And it's just the truth. And I can't take that back. But what I can do is move forward. And I can move forward being as healthy as possible. And that means getting rid of some of the baggage and all the other stuff and getting as healthy as possible and also getting as in sync with my my spouse as possible so that we can have a healthy relationship dynamic so that we're not the weak link in the home. And when we're not the weak link in the home, we can be a source of strength for the rest of the home. So really that's step number one is you need to have a healthy relationship dynamic with your spouse.
1: For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Every, everything's dependent upon that. Just
0: as- so as, as we started having kids and me being like panicked and also a micromanager and a perfectionist, which might be hard for people on the outside looking into think I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> but I kind of am. And so um, I started analyzing members of my family that I thought had good outcomes in their children. And I went to my um, cousin um, and my uncle Dave and Aunt Leanne's family. My cousin Jaron went to Jaron. I said, Jaron, I said, uh, what did your parents do right? Because I think they did a lot of things right. And it seems on you know the outcomes as far as you know, you, you your siblings have healthy seem, seemingly have fairly healthy relationship dynamics. Which um, anyway, we um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just move forward there. Um, and, but anyway, Jaron said, look. My parents did a lot of things, but if I can boil it down to a couple things that I know they did right and worked every time, he's like, it all comes down to this book. It's three steps to a strong family. This is the old book by Linda and Richard Iyer. I don't know which camera, Vanna White style. There we go. (laughs) Um, And this was written in the nineties. And then there's a newer book they wrote called the entitlement trap. And our children have helped us Mark this. It's a uh, lovely art, artwork here. Um, <laughs> <Chris>. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, you know, the kids help a lot. But um, we, we love these books. We love the content of these books. Essentially, it's kind of the same message.
1: And the Ayers have a lot of parenting books that are, I mean, they're phenomenal. They're so, so good. Um, I always recommend that when I have friends ask, you know, about parenting stuff. Those are really good. Um, the Entitlement Trap is basically... Um, setting up a family economy where, um, your children are earning money and you kind of figure out what their basic needs are, like income wise. Like, how much does it cost to have this child function well, in a month? Yep, right.
0: But, but that's not like just what they want to earn. It's like, okay, how much are you going to spend on this child anyway in the month? Like, right. School clothes, food for school. Um, You know, entertainment, how much are you going to naturally spend on entertainment on this child? How much are you going to actually spend on this child for, like, fast food or extras? Um, How much are the necessities? you got to figure that out. You're already spending the money. It's not about spending additional money to pay them. It's about using the money you're already spending. Mm -hmm. And you're finding a way for them to earn it themselves. Now, you're still going to be writing the checks and paying the bills. But you're giving the way to shift that. Ownership. The ownership of that to your children. Right. So instead of you buying them shoes, it's your money still. But they bought themselves shoes with the money of yours they earned.
1: Right. Right. And you keep track of it. You um, the way we did it is um, like I bought fake checkbooks, which was really hard to do. It was hard to do because you <laughs> can't it? have it. Yeah,
0: because yeah. it makes you like we don't issue blank checks. Like, well, we're right. like we don't want to count numbers, or audio numbers. Like, we don't we want them to be want real it, checks
1: um, attached to an account. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, just wanted. I wanted their names on it. Everything else blank, anyway. But the um, finally was able to do that. <laughs> able to do that. But um, so we would keep track about of how much money was in the kids' account by like they would earn money, and so we would, you know. Add that in to their um, to their balance, and then when they wanted to spend money, we would take that away. and And it was, um,
0: we would also set up a limit. So you know, ten um, percent went to tithing right off the bat. Forty percent went to savings, or fifty. We put fifty percent. We were hardcore. Yeah, we made our kids save fifty percent. So, so this is all. Where is all this? So you're writing this in a notebook. Essentially, it's oh, Monopoly money. Gotcha. Essentially, it's Monopoly yeah. money, oh, right? Yeah. But, but you're giving them ownership of that, right? So it's, it's, they're entitled to this money title might not be the right word, but they earned it themselves. Mm -hmm. So out of the money they earned, they have a hundred dollars out of that $50 goes into the savings account on the checkbook or in in your ledger, 50% of that, or 40% of that's going to go into the checking and 10% into tithing. And that's how we did it. And so that way of that $40, they can kind of choose to spend that $40 wherever they want. Now, if they want to buy shoes with it, great. And I guarantee you, they will take way better care of those shoes than they take of the shoes their money. you buy it because it's mm-hmm. their it's, money. Yeah. Yeah. They earned it. They worked for it. Yeah. And again, you're taking money that you would have spent already on them and finding a way for them to have ownership in that and for it to really be kind of theirs. And then the savings account actually is theirs, but it's still your money that it's you're in, putting in there.
2: Now, are they earning these things through like chores, yes. grades, stuff like that? Exactly. exactly. Yep. Gotcha. Yep.
0: Yep.
1: And, and it's so important that they earn it. You're not, it's not an allowance. You're not just yeah, giving. It's not a child welfare well program. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> that, Cause that's not beneficial no. at all. But one of the greatest things, like we, our family would go to dinner at Cracker Barrel and our kids would always want.
0: Andy's mints.
1: Andy's mints every time. Well, well, once we started doing this and it was like, okay, yeah, you can totally have that. Um, here's how much they cost. And then all of a sudden they're like, like, yeah, write us a check guys. Write us a check yeah, for I the don't, I don't really want that anymore. <laughs> you know, it, they self-regulate and, and it's beautiful. Cause you're not the bad guy that's telling them no all the time. Like they learn that, you know, maybe I don't want that as much as I thought I did.
0: Like most recently Brecken wanted a custom pair of Jordans. Like he wanted a Whoa. customized pair of Jordans. I'm like, sure, you're buying it. <laughs> and he did. That's yeah. awesome. He he earned the money. He worked hard. And so how do we... Let's go over how do we give them the opportunity to earn? Because, you know, child labor laws, they can't really have a job. Mm-hmm. They can't really be on payroll, except yeah. in a family farm, which we do have. So can't bust us on that either. <laughs> anyway.
1: <laughs> so I you got to be willing to kind of be fluid with this because it does take a while to work out the details. But like I went through and I tried to give a dollar amount to certain chores like Like sweeping the porch is two bucks. Right. Right. Sweeping the porch, washing windows, like cleaning the bathroom, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, there's a million household tasks that everybody has. It's like an
0: incentive program.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, it's just giving them ownership of their life and helping them understand that the more they contribute, Mm -hmm. the more benefit they're going to get out of it.
2: Yeah. Right. Which in turn is only going to help them later down the road. Totally. So you're starting them early.
0: Yeah. You're starting them early on saving, starting early on earning and budgeting. Yeah. And having ownership and
2: all those things. Which I wish they would teach that in schools.
1: I why don't really they teach know. that in schools? Life skills. Like, yes. why, why don't we teach life skills? There's so
0: many things. Yeah, the evolution that, of the transvestite instead. It's so much more important. Right. Right? Yeah, know.
1: exactly. Serving everyone.
2: It, yeah. Well, it, it's things that I look back on where I'm like, God, like the things I wish I would have learned before getting out of high school or college.
0: I, you that, know, we like, had a free right. enterprise class in our high school. It was required. Oh, really? We had to take it. Yeah. Oh wow. It was required, and it's. I don't think they do that anymore.
1: No, wow. in fact, well, I don't think I took that.
0: We only went to one. It was only once. The other semester was government, and then the second semester was free enterprise. But I,
2: yeah, it was phenomenal. I mean, so I did BPA, which was Business Professionals of America. Yeah. And it was just basically learning how to build a business, but that was optional. Like that wasn't a requirement. So it's like, if I mean, I don't see a lot of kids just. Raising their hand, wanting to, you know, Hi. learn about business. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think these things should be a requirement in school. Like, you know, it helped help them so much. Cause I felt like when I got out into the real world, <clears throat> excuse me, when I got out into the real world, thank God for the parents that I had that raised me. Right. But I like, it's a lot bigger than it, you think it is when you get out there.
0: But again, Justin, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up because your kids are not going to learn this if you don't teach them. And then when they go and graduate into adulthood, they're going to flounder and it's going to largely be your ownership in that because you didn't teach them. Yeah. Right. So you got to start thinking of these things. What life skills you want to make sure your kids have and figure out a way to instill those in them now. Right. So the, uh, the, so the family economy was one of them. Mm -hmm. There was a family justice system Mm -hmm. and that was awesome because the family justice system, the kids self-regulate themselves. You know, so we sat them down and we're like, okay, um, we we presented a couple different options of how to have discipline in the home, and what rules they wanted to have, and the kids came up with their own house rules. And then we had the kids come up with their punishments for breaking their own house rules. So that way, like when it was like, hey, I don't know, you uh, you told your mother no defiantly, and on this paper. You guys decided that when you say no, that means we get to tell you no next time you get a privilege. That's what you guys decided. So if you want to watch the movie tonight, since you told your mom no, I'm not going to clean my room, sorry, you don't get to watch the movie. You guys decided that. All of a sudden, all the emotions out of it, it's like, I can't, I can't, can't argue right? that. Right. I mean, and they came up with that, and it was yeah. empowering, and it's there's no real rigid rule on how to Did do you that, that? No? but what i asked her if she came up with that oh <laughs> she was there she was a little younger yeah, when we did that oh, okay. um, but um but we're still we're, we're we were really great at this for a while and then you know again um i destabilized some things and so the husband wife the parental units were not totally intact and so this kind of fell apart so we're just coming back to this we realized it was good and we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're coming back to these things that are good. And that's one of the reasons why we're speaking to them is one, not only to help you guys, but help reinforce ourselves.
1: Yeah. And, and when your kids have a part in all of these things, it helps them to have a sense of pride in what they're doing. And it's not that mom and dad are making me do these things, but like, hey, this is so awesome. I earned my own money or this is so awesome. I get to help my family make rules. Like, you know, it helps them to feel heard and valued and rather than it's just my parents that are enforcing everything, like they have a say in that and that that helps to regulate everything.
0: Totally. I had a teacher in school that had us, like the first day of school, she had us come up with our classroom rules and that was so powerful because we, we were harder on ourselves than she would have been, I think, yeah. <laughs> wow. you know, but yeah. but it was kind of funny and That's then like fun. bright, but yeah. then like, she's like, okay, these is the school, these are the rules for the year. So is
2: that where you learned it?
0: No, I mean sure I, that was modeled when I was in fourth grade, um, but this book helped us really. Model. There's Domino's baby. Are you sure you don't want some Domino's? <laughs> Domino's guy just got here. <laughs> well, uh-huh. speak, so speaking he to, to the evidence of these things, our 19 year old just ordered herself a pizza, <laughs> and and it's here. Yep. Uh, but the the, uh, the third step here in this book, the three steps, is to have a family roots uh, experience, and that is where. You help your children learn amazing things about their ancestors that they can use tactically in their life. Like your grandma, your great, great grandma, Meredith, mm-hmm. you want to speak to like what happened with her? When
1: so, well, it was my great grandma, Williams. My, um, Macy she, found
0: this on, um, she was doing genealogy. Mm-hmm. Was she on family search or I can't remember where she found it, but she found her journal where she wrote about this.
1: Okay. So I'm thinking of, I, I'm thinking of different. So you, go, you go ahead and tell it. Cause I think we're thinking of different things.
0: I don't think so, but okay. Um, it was when, um, it was the day her husband was went up on a roof and something happened and he died. Mm-hmm. He, did he fall off the roof? Mm-hmm. Really? He fell off the roof and he died. And she was, she all of a sudden, suddenly was a single mom with no means of income and a bunch of brokenhearted children and she had a broken heart herself. Do
2: you happen to know how old she was at that time?
1: She was, I want to say like... Between 35 and 40. I don't know that for sure. I think that's right. But I think that's...
0: And so what did she do?
1: And so she went to school. She became a school teacher. And um, she raised her children. I was just trying to think if there's five or six. Do they have five or six children?
0: I would love to help you, but it's your family. Well, I
1: know. I would have (laughs) to... It'll take me... Anyway.
0: (laughs) I know the ones I know, but...
1: (laughs) Anyway, but... if but
0: If that's
2: not the ultimate... Life comes at you
1: fast. Bro. Oh yeah. Bro,
0: but, yeah. but Macy was like, hey, like we were actually gone. It was like a Sunday night. I think we we're at a church meeting. We come home. Macy's like looking reading through her grandma's her mm-hmm. great grandma's journal. Great great grandma's journal.
1: Her great great yeah. Her great great grandmother's
0: journal. Wow. And somebody who she actually took a picture with when she was a baby. And um, it was able she was able to link that strength from her great great grandmother straight through to her of my grandma can do this. I can do hard things, mm-hmm. right? If my grandma can do this, I can do, I can do algebra tomorrow or I can face whatever mountain I got in front of me as you know a 12-year-old girl yeah. and that gave her a lot of strength, a lot of power and it was really great because it wasn't like somebody else's amorphous person. It was, this was your actual great-grandmother. Your, her blood and DNA runs through your veins.
1: Yeah, and that's powerful mm-hmm. for anybody to, to relate to that and feel that and it just helps to give you a sense of self and your roots, and where you came from, and, and I don't know, I think, I think everybody can find stories like that in their family history. Like, uh, like,
0: oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, you met our, you have pictures when you were a baby, London's over here in the corner, London's now 10, but when she was a baby, we were able to get her to go up and meet her great-great-aunt Twyla, it was my great-aunt Twyla, and she was 94 years old. Um
1: phenomenal and just
0: one of the greatest examples of a human being I've ever met in my life um and she had polio when she was 6 and she when she was 6 years old she lived in Taylor Arizona she contracted polio they sent kids down to phoenix to be treated but they were in the hospital for a few months alone the parents didn't come the kids came alone and they wow. went to the hospital and were there alone and then, in, as they were healing out after the hospital stage, they were stuck with host families, or placed, shouldn't say stuck, but placed with host families, until they were well enough to go back home. Imagine a kid in
2: a random hospital with polio.
0: At six years old. Right. right. Man, I, traumatic, totally yeah. alone. Yeah. Right? And then I asked her, I was like, Antwila, what would you want our kids to know about you I was like you have some amazing stories from your life, right? And I love that we have that family history and we're able to like use that as strength. She goes, you know, I would love for them to know. Like, here's another thing: when she was, was she three. two or four? She,
1: I thought she was when her three.
0: mom died. There, it was oh. six, four, and two. The girls yeah, were six, four, was, and two. I can't remember which one youngest. she was. She the youngest, so she was two. I think she was two. She was two years old. Her mom died, and her dad married the epitome of the wicked stepmother. And they came home from school one day to this woman burning every last memento of their mother.
1: A trunk. They had a trunk. They had a trunk, trunk with all staff. the
0: mementos, pictures, mom's things, jewelry, heirlooms, clothing. And this woman was. <laughs> Wait a mic drop there, buddy. Justin just. I just dropped the mic. But Justin just <laughs> mic dropped. So good. That's so how good. wicked that stepmother was. He had a mic drop that mic moment. Drop. <laughs> but they came home to her from after school. Um, burning the only only tangible evidence of their mother. Is she still
2: here? My no. aunt Twyla. Yeah.
0: No, she passed a couple of years.
2: No, ago. Or no, the uh, the lady that was burning the. No, she. No. She was older. Oh, yeah and, she uh, she entered the room. Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> she heard the she story. was like, she's like <laughs> she
1: like are you telling the story? <laughs> <laughs> no, she was. Hor- I mean, she truly was horrible. And Aunt Twyla was like. So sweet. She was like, you know, it must have been incredibly hard for her to come and and deal with three broken-hearted little girls. that, And she didn't know how to be a mom. Like, she was just so empathetic and kind. So, when- well, the
2: whole strength thing that you guys were saying, like, with the journal, mm-hmm. like, I used that for myself uh, with my mom because my mom lost her first fiance on his bike. He got hit by a drunk driver. Oh, wow. And then... She lost both her mom and dad within eight months of each other. Oh, man. And she still came out on the other side an amazing mom. That's powerful. So I always look back on that. Like whenever I'm going through something, I like every time I'm going through something, I think about my mom and I'm like, she was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I can get through whatever I'm getting through.
0: It's amazing, right? And it's personal to you, right? It's like, because it's your mom. It's tangible. Like our our therapist is like, you know, a lot of people like to say, what would Jesus do, right? Like Jesus is the ideal, right? What would Jesus do? You know what? It's a really nice thing to think. It's a really nice thing to say. But in the reality is Jesus was a perfect man. That doesn't, that's not really relatable. Like what Jesus would do in this moment has really nothing to do with what I'm going to do here because I'm not perfect, no. I am not. I am not Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah. what Jesus would do in this situation, I might not be able to do. But what my what my mom did, mm-hmm. what my great aunt did, what my dad did, um, I can do that, right? So, because those are personal things to you, yeah, exactly. So he's like, he's encouraged me to pick a hero of my own ancestry to look towards, rather That's than cool. like being so far removed from Jesus. But like, you know, what did Sir John Carmichael do? How would he? How would he conduct himself? What a cool name, right? Oh, that's a real deal, Sir sure. John. Awesome. Sir John Carmichael. Oh, that's a good story. We'll wow. have to. 1420 have to show AD. We to be fired up on that. But yeah, no, I mean, well, I don't know. We're here. Here we go. So, um, Sir John Carmichael was knighted in France because mm-hmm. he uh, <laughs> that is he, awesome. he left his lands in Scotland. He went to go fight the invading English army with the French. Because he believed in their cause. He believed in the cause of of what was right. And the story goes that Sir John um, broke his lance, defeating the advancing English Army's commander. So he was in a joust with the English Army's commanding officer. And I believe his horse had been killed. He was on the ground. He lifted his lance at the last second and de seated the advancing army's commander. Wow. He perished in the moment. Sir John survived, broke his Lance in the process. And so our family crest, which I can send you, you can post there. Yeah. Has a broken, has a, has an iron fist with a broken Lance in it. And like, to me, it's like, that's awesome. That's that, that, that DNA, that blood runs through my veins. And, and that helps me do hard things. And when Joan of Arc Came to Scotland and her army came through there. He received her and he, um, you know, took care of them for a night and nourished them and fed them. And he walked with Joan of Arc, my ancestor.
2: Think of how long ago that was, and it still resonates. Man, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Right? That's crazy. So
0: that's the strength of the family roots. Not to get too far into that, but yeah, um, like, but I appreciate you sharing your story about your mom. It's powerful when it's close yeah. to
2: home, right? Yeah, but still, like, I, I'm just get, can't get over the 1420. Yeah. 1420 AD and it's still resonating. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So family roots, it's a powerful tool. Like, you know, a lot of times the inner city children, they resonate with gangs because they don't have family roots and they don't have a family even. Right. But even in those broken situations, like you can go back to the heroes, you know, near to your own family and be have that be heroes for your children. Mm hmm. And it's, it's a powerful thing. So we, we really endorse these books by Linda and Richard Iyer, Three Steps of a, a Strong Family, The Entitlement Trap. They really helped us probably more than any other books that we've read on parenting. Yeah. Um, and then a, a couple other things that, that we, we have done is we um, made it a point to never fight in front of our kids, at least not to be in disharmony. Um, that was something that um, even if we don't agree with each other in front of the kids we don't hash that out. If we need to have a time out and go to a, a quiet area where we can rediscuss things, we do that. Um, do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, well, I think that's so important. Like I remember when Macy was little, we were discussing something. We weren't even we weren't even fighting, but like we were talking about something and I dropped the blender and Macy like burst into tears. Like she thought, I don't know, like she thought things were bad, like, you know, and it just helped us realize, like, how scary it can be for we children. Yeah. yeah, but we, we realized how scary that would be for children that grow up um, where their parents are fighting all the time. That's traumatic. And, and, you know, you don't want that to become their normal so that they grow up and provide that, you know, What's in their that own homes.
0: What's saying, kid see, kid do? I don't know, but that's accurate. But yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you're programming, you know, from birth to about six to seven years old, you're programming your baseline subconscious brain. Yeah. And if it's chaotic, if it's in an environment where your parents are fighting all the time, it's an environment where well, somebody's an alcoholic or there's whatever going on, that is going to be programmed hardwired into that kid's brain as normal. Yeah, Whether it's good or not, we're not saying, that's just going to be what feels normal to them. So anything outside of normal is going to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So a normal, healthy relationship, it's not going to feel comfortable because they were programmed to, you know, in their in their formative brain years to get used to chaos, and it's and we we see the effects of that all the time. Yeah.
2: Well, the saying "you are a product of your environment." Absolutely. But, uh, I mean, like if you are a product of your environment at an older age, you you have the tools to work around that or to better yourself within that environment. I think at a younger age, like you are saying, six or seven. You don't know the tools, right? You don't know how to, you which, just assume this is your environment.
0: Which is, I think, probably a great segue to talk about kids self-soothing. You were yeah. talking about it earlier. Yeah,
1: well, so lots of times when we look at kids that are misbehaving, like you might think, oh, they're throwing a tantrum, they're acting out, they're, you know, whatever the case may be. But lots of times, like there might be an outside, um, environmental thing that's causing them to be upset. Like maybe they're super tired. Maybe they're hungry. Maybe, um, maybe they feel, um, like they're not being heard, like nobody's listening to them, whatever the case may be. So it's important to, to think about those things first, when you're trying to decide, you know, why is my kid acting out? Why are they misbehaving? Um, but also when, when your child is acting in a way that, um, I don't know, they're super emotional and, and crying or whatever um it's important to teach them how to regular regulate their emotions so like
0: you throw them in the room and say don't come out until you quit crying
1: right yeah no that doesn't is that 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 how you
0: help them regulate their emotions there
1: was a really really good post yeah Um,
2: while you're looking for that post i'll tell this quick story yeah uh i got angry when i was a kid like 10 years old slammed my door my dad said if you slam that door again, I'm taking it off the hinges. I slammed the door again and he took it off the hinges and I go, oh, sweet. I don't have to close or open my door anymore. It's just easy access. And my, and they told me this later, but I guess my dad was holding the door and he's like behind looking at my mom. He goes, what do I do?
0: <laughs> so, funny. so did you find your quote?
1: I did. Uh, go for it. Um, so this is Marcella U- Sorry, Marcella Collier. She's a parenting coach. She said, parents, telling your child, go to your room and don't come out until you're calm. It's like if you put me in a plane and tell me not to come out until I know how to fly it. Children don't learn emotional regulation by themselves. Um, That's so, so good because oftentimes we expect our kids to just understand like you're acting inappropriate. You need to calm down. Well, how do they do that?
0: How do they even know how what that do means?
1: They calm down, like right. How, how do they know inappropriate right. means? And right, how do they know that they're acting up? They're just if, trying to be. Heard and if they and understood. were,
0: they were yelling and making an outburst, and then you made an outburst to correct them. Right. How confusing <laughs> is that to that kid? Like, oh, I was just doing. What you just did. No, uh, you did it, and I'm in trouble for it.
1: Right. Yeah. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. Now um, this is a.
2: Uh, I don't know if you call it a controversial topic, but like spanking your kids. Yeah, it's like a big no-no now. Like in social media or like in the public's eye or wh- whoever wants to talk about it. Do you how are you guys with like
0: So, I had one experience with that. Uh-huh. I grew up that way. Um I grew up that way. I grew up I grew up getting the belt. Until I one day reached back and grabbed that belt.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got I got the wooden spoon. I got the belt. I loved the wooden spoon. I,
0: My mom. So <laughs> the wooden spoon was an improvement to the belt. Nah. <laughs> mom, you're gonna learn a little secret right here as you listen to this. But uh when you hit me with that wooden spoon, I was like, ooh, that really didn't hurt. But I need to make sure she thinks it did, so that that's it. the punishment I always get. So yeah. I was like, whoa. You have so to then, sell it. So then she'd be like, oh, you're gonna have to go get the wooden spoon. I'd be like, okay. It's a terrifying walk, way better than yeah. the belt oh, yeah. <laughs> way oh, yeah. better than the belt so here's, here's this so when macy i don't know 18 months old two years she was she right was around three,
1: like two and a half i think oh, two and a half
0: well that sounds way better than what i was gonna say yeah. all right she's so she's two and a half and she was acting like a total freaking spoiled brat and i was like meredith what do i do and she was like well this is the point where you spank her and i was like how do i do that this is my beautiful little perfect girl. Like, how do I spank yeah. her? Like, she's got these beautiful curls, big chubby cheeks. She's so cute. She's acting like a brat, but she's still so cute. How do I spank this beautiful child? So, as I, I gave it, a, I tried to give it a whack. I, you know, just wham, give her a little, little, um, little I mean, spank like on, like the, on the on <laughs> the rear, and she turns around and she just looks at me straight in the eye. and She goes. <laughs> 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 I was like, well, that didn't work. (laughs) So in the book, The Mastery of Love by Miguel Ruiz, he says, he gives an analogy there. And he says, look, if your two-year-old runs through the room and just, you know, is running through the room with her blanket as a cape and the cape just, as she's flying through the room, hits the brand new lamp, knocks it over and shatters it on the floor and you yell, hey, you need to watch what you're doing. You be more careful. That kid's going to turn around and understand one thing, two things. Her dad is scary, and her dad can hurt her. That two-year-old is not going to understand what she just did. She's not going to understand that she broke the lamp. She's not going to understand that she was running, and the cape, and the wind, and the currents, and it went over, and it draped, and grabbed, and pulled the lamp off the table, and threw it onto the floor, and shattered it. She's not going to understand that. What well, she's going to learn from that moment is her dad can hurt her and her dad is scary. And so that, as I read that, I just.
2: So she learned it, it was scary, but not why it was scary. Not why it was mm-hmm.
0: scary? Well, gotcha. and should it be scary to be disciplined by your parents? No. No. I mean, maybe there needs to be a level of respect there, yeah. but it doesn't need to be an intimidating, abusive relationship. I and so that was the last abusive. time I ever spanked anybody ever again.
2: The only reason why I brought that up is because I feel like uh, we grew up And spare the rod, spoil the the child. Yeah. There was a very long span of the, this is the way you raised your kids. And I feel like you guys are coming into a new time of raising kids. So that's why I was kind of just like asking the question, like as it evolves.
0: Yeah. So going back to the justice system, you know, the part of the family justice system was when the kids were fighting OK, um, they came up with and we did guide these discussions. I mean, we're talking to 12 year olds at the oldest and younger kids. So we did guide some of the discussions, but they ultimately chose the outcomes and we wrote down and stuck with the outcomes they chose. But one of the if you were fighting with a sibling or causing strife or if you were intentionally um, trying to get that person to feel bad, um, then, you know, if you were both fighting, then you both got to sit in time out together but but separated at the same time um until you were calm it was about i think we said three minutes right and we set the timer and at the end of that three minutes then you have to go pull weeds for 10 minutes outside every time and and um it was just that was the response It was like hey guys you guys are fighting you guys you guys know the protocol and we didn't even have to enforce everything that to that. go sit on the black box we started the timer we go for weeds, you know. And
1: part of that too was like they they had to talk to each other, like you know, this is why I'm upset, okay? This is why I'm upset, and then we would kind of guide them as well. To, they had like, to calm down first. We,
0: they had to have the cool right, down period this is at first, the end right? Of the three minutes, right?
1: So then, and while they were sitting there, like, hey, think about what you want to talk about, you know. So it gives them time to to really think about and go over, you know, what happened, and then talk about why they're upset, so that they have a time to like feel heard. And, and then we would help them what would be a good solution to that? Like what would be a good way? and whatever it's usually fighting over something.
2: It sounds like that would be way more. I mean, I'm just thinking about it in my head. If I was a kid, like how I grew up, I feel like that would be more of a learning experience and knowing not to do it. Cause I, to me, it sounds like I'd rather get hit with the wooden spoon than pull weeds. Yeah. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> right. So I think that's way more effective. Uh, it, it was
0: it was pretty effective it was and good. it was pretty effective hey i think we've covered a lot of great ground here i think we should continue this, continue this on another episode so let's cut totally. this right here and then we'll come right back into this thanks for listening to the value script don't forget to clickety click that means subscribe like and share it with people so that you can pay that value forward that you felt today and you can pay it forward to your friends family and loved ones we appreciate you listening next time we'll see you on the value script